0: Shalom, and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. You are listening to a Sukkot sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. We are going to turn now to do a little bit of learning on Vezot Habracha, which is a parsha that we don't read on Shabbat because we, unless. Simchat Torah happens to be on Shabbat because it typically is taken up by the parsha for Sukkot because Sukkot is eight days long. So the way that the calendar ends up working itself out. And I don't know that it has never happened. Um, but it is more often than not that Vezod HaBracha is not read on a Shabbat. It is only read on Simchat Torah and during the week leading up. Um, as long as the week is not, is not also Cholomoed Sukkot. So. I decided that I thought we should talk about it because we don't get to talk about it. On Simchat Torah there's a lot of other stuff going on and so we don't typically get to study Vizot Habracha because it's pretty short and it's also the kind of parsha that we we already know it, right? We know that Moses dies because if it's the last parsha of the Torah we know that that's the last thing that happens before the beginning of the book again, um, at the, at the end of Simchator and for the rest of, of that year. So I, I honestly haven't actually spent as much time looking at Vezot Habracha because this might be the first sermon that I've ever given on Vezot Habracha because it just doesn't, it doesn't happen that it is one of the more talked about partio. So in looking through Vezot Habracha, To figure out what I wanted to teach and what I wanted to, uh, to share with all of you and learn from you. The thing that is most often mentioned or commented on is how Moses dies, right? He was, he, we, we see in the Torah verse six, uh, five, excuse me, it says, Alpi Adonai, which means by the mouth of God. Now, we don't know what that really means, right? We don't think of God as a human being with lips and a mouth. And at the same time, when we hear of God, God talks about anger in terms of the nose of God in flaring and talks about uh, God's face. And there are, there are facial specifically also an, an outstretched uh, hand, right? We There are facial expressions and physical attributes that we do attribute to God. But this idea, this intimacy of Alpi Adonai, the rabbis love talking about. And the one that you probably have heard most is that God kissed Moses. So the kiss of death uh, comes from this idea here. I, I decided not to talk about that because I thought that, that that was, that was often the most known idea, but I wanted to talk about what, what is the next verse, which is why I even bring it up here. I wanted to talk about verse six, because it's extremely, extremely unclear. <coughs> Everything's unclear about it. It says, So, First of all, the reason that we called this baitain is because we wanted you to interact in this text study. So, if you would like to be called on, you can raise your hand and Kenji will unmute you and you can speak. I unfortunately can't see all of your hands. Um, but if you would like to do that, he can see all of your hands. So, what is what is first and foremost confusing about these first few words? Vaik bor oto begaiba eretz Moav. He buried him in the valley in the land of Moav. What's confusing about that?
1: Yeah, Barry. It will say Rosenblatt, Kenji. I, I don't know if it'll say Barry Rosenblatt, but it might say Ken. Okay. There you go. Well, he was at the top of the mountain when this happened.
0: Oh okay so so your the question you are asking is, how could it be that he was in the valley because he was at the top of the mountain? so does that how did how did the burial happen? Was he moved what, What's the location that we're actually talking about? Well, great question
2: well, well well first of all, we have have him at, at the mouth of Adenai, and now we have him in the valley, so uh, from
1: the mouth of Adenai, he's now in the valley. right, great great other questions
0: is that Rebecca Friedman um hi oh hi Rick okay R- Rick and then Rebecca yeah
1: um,
3: yeah there's uh, who did the burying the first verb there right. and, and uh, wouldn't you say first you, they took him down or Joshua whatever they took him down from the mountain to the valley and then they buried him there it's just out of order
0: Great, exactly. So you're bringing together that question with Barry, also, which is we need we need context in between here. There's no context as to how this all happened, and also who is the one who buried him? Who is the actual he here in in the English translation? Rebecca, Kenji, you will meet you. There you go. Yeah. Um, so why there? Even though he did die, rather than burying him just there, is that any particular place of honor? Why not wait and move him and bury him some other special place? Great. Fantastic. We know of people who die in one place and their request is to be buried somewhere else. Was this a specific place that either God or Moshe thought was unique to be buried in? Or was there some other reason that he was buried in this valley? I thought I saw another hand Maybe not. Any other questions on this? Okay, all right. So the the verse goes on to say, Mul bait peor da ish et to ad hayom "So it's next to this place, Beit Peor." I'm um, going back to Rebecca's point. You know, wh- why is that place uh, significant? And no person knows his burial place until this day. No one knows if you've gone on trips to Israel and they've taken you to all the different places where people have died. If they took you to a place where Moshe died, that's just a guess. No one knows. No one knows where he died. And yet, as Rebecca just said, it seems to be that we know exactly where we at least know the city. Right, We know know the location for which he died. We just don't know. There's no tombstone. There's no exact place of this being Moshe's burial site. The other interesting thing about this is that it could be that the verse means that we don't know where his burial site was. It could also be that we don't know who buried him. We don't know who did the burying right? Because the word kever is used here in ambiguous uh, conjugations, both at the beginning and here at the end, to mean, and he buried, right? Don't know who the he is. And we don't know his burial. We don't know if that means his burial site, because it doesn't say that, or if it means we don't know who buried him. Which seems to be obvious, but the Torah is redundant when it's important to be redundant. So it's possible that's also what it could mean. Any other questions about this before we move on to the midrash that I want to teach? Yeah, I think I think that's Diane Herman. I can't actually. (laughs) You guys are so far away. I can't really tell. It's. It might say Larry Herman or Diane Herman
1: or both. There you go. Okay. Two things. One yeah, yeah. is um,
2: the fact that we don't know where Moshe was buried makes it harder to venerate him as some kind of like, like a saint or yeah. um, giving responsibility for everything that happened to him as opposed to God. Yeah. The other thing is, if you think about the example of, um, of, others who were buried in the land of Israel biblically and Joseph who, who told his, um, who told them to take his bones to the land of Israel. And, and Moses knows that the people are going to enter the land. Why doesn't he request that they carry him into the land
1: of Israel?
0: Yeah. So it's a beautiful and and great question, especially when Moshe did so much to get them to that precipice, right? Even though he didn't get to go in, he did so much to get them there. So why, why not make the request? Even if the request was not granted, why, make, why not even make the request to say, carry me over, over that threshold so that I can be buried where you will dwell? It's a it's a beautiful question. Beautiful can question.
2: I, can I add one? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You have the mic, so you might as well.
2: So... It's interesting, the, uh, w- the um, pasuk, uh, the sixth uh, verse says, And I noticed that Yitzchayim translates as valley, and Alter translates guy as a glen, but um, um, Arya Kaplan actually calls it a depression. Mm. God buried him in the depression in the land mm. of Moab. Here he was on a mountain. Why wouldn't he just be buried on the mountain? Like we bury people in the Mount of Olives. But he's he's carried back and he's buried in a depression. I don't know what the meaning is there, but one could actually come up with one.
0: Yeah, that's a that is something definitely to think about. Um, when you when you translate that way, it made me think of the psalm that we sing, Begates Almavet, right? Mm -hmm. That we sing when someone when someone has died, that we we don't, we, we translate it in English as the valley, uh, the, walk in the shadow of the valley, the, sh- the valley of the shadow of death. Anyway, one way of saying that in English is how we say it. And that, that interestingly, we don't actually mean a valley, but we do mean like a low place, a, a place of depression. That's really powerful. I, I had never, I never heard it translated that, bef- translate that way before, but also makes it seem as though whoever did the burying, had a real close connection to Moshe had a real went into a depression over this death. And that makes it seem as though whoever did the burying was, um, was deeply affected by this death. Judy, you get the last word.
3: Two things. Um, thank you, Diane. And thank you, Larry. What beautiful insights I'd never thought of before. So first off, Um, the kiss, if we go with the notion that it was Hashem who gave Moshe a kiss and then lovingly took care Mm -hmm. of his physical remains and placed him down below in the Emek. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is Diane, wow, tying in the bones of Joseph with, of Yosef carrying, being carried back. With the bones of Moshe, why not? And I can't help but think that at the very end, it says that we will never see another Navi like Moshe. So I'm wondering if that is connected, that Moshe is treated in yet another way, that Hashem is just taking Moshe lovingly. He was lent to the Jewish people and now like lovingly, he is being brought back into the arms of Hashem. Very beautiful. We,
0: well, you said it very beautifully. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, I, and and in true last person before I speak fashion, you, you gave a great uh, segue into what I was about to teach in this midrash, which is that we don't because we don't know where Moshe is buried, and because God seems to have such an intimate relationship with how and where and the process by which not only He is buried but He is mourned, we do wonder what the, what the effect of Moshe dying really is on us as a people, as you said, this idea of, of saints, right, not in our tradition but prophets. It reminds me of Elijah, right? If someone wasn't actually buried or was buried in such a way that we don't really understand what that burial was or where it was, does that mean that maybe he wasn't buried because he was a different category of person i don't I don't know the answer, but this Midrash has a beautiful beautiful uh, interpretation on what it could be. So I want to explain the source sheet if you have it in front of you, if not. Uh, this doesn't really matter because I'm going to read to you what I want to read to you on the front page, on the first page of the source sheet is the literal translation from the Midrash from Midrash Sifre, which is a book of Midrash on Dvarim. And on the flip side is a translation from someone named Rachel Rowan. That I took from uh, Bar-Ilan University, which gives a little bit more of a modernized, realistic translation, which is the one that I'm going to mostly be using. So on the first side, you'll see the literal translation. I also gave you the Hebrew, slash, I believe there are bits of, uh, maybe actually not, just the Hebrew, no Aramaic in this one. Um, And on the flip side, you will see the translation that I'm going to read aloud, However, on the first page, there's this first paragraph here that has nothing to do with our topic, but it gives very good introduction into the Midrash. So it says, and I'm not going to read the entire thing, but if you have it in front of you, you can read through it. In one year, three Tzadikim died, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And as it says in Zachariah, I lost the three shepherds in one month. Now, did they die in one month? Did they not die in one year? When Miriam died, the well was removed, and it returned in the merit of Moses and Aaron. When Aaron died, the pillar of cloud was removed, and both returned in the merit of Moses. When Moses died, the three were removed and did not return. At that time, Israel was naked of everything. I'm going to skip down a few lines. Mm. When Aaron died, all of Israel gathered to Moses and said to him, where is Aaron, your brother? He answered, God has secreted him from for eternal life. They did not believe him and said to him, we know you to be blunt. Maybe he said something objectionable and you imposed death upon him. What did the holy blessing one do? God took Aaron's litter and suspended it in the heaven of heavens. And the Holy One, blessed be God, eulogized him, Aaron, and the ministering angels answered after God. And what did they say? From Malachi, the Torah of truth was in his mouth, and wrong was not found on his lips. In peace and uprightness did he walk with me, God, and many did he turn from sin. So this is just an introduction to the Midrash that we are going to read that is on this line, Vaik Boroto B'gai by Eretz Mo'av. Just for those of us who haven't studied too much Midrash, you should know that the way that Midrash works is that rabbis or a rabbi decided to write a story, a parable, an understanding based on something in the Torah. And they use the verse from the Torah, but they also might use verses from other places. So a moment ago, I quoted Malachi, a prophet, right? it's, It's in our Tanakh, but it's not based on this Parsha exactly. So you'll hear in a moment that I bring in certain pieces in this Midrash that might be from other places, but the rabbis in explaining an unexplainable verse are using those verses to do their best version of an understanding and of an explanation of what's happening here. So I'm going to read through, and then I'm going to stop for questions. So if you have a question, just keep it, keep it in mind for a moment. At that moment, the Holy One said to the angel of death, Go, bring me Moses' soul. He, the angel, went and stood before Moses and said to him, Moses, give me your soul. To which Moses answered, Where I sit, you have not the right to stand. And you dare say to me, give me your soul? Thus rebuking him, he, the angel, left in a huff. The angel of death went and reported back to the Almighty. Again, the Holy One said to him, Go bring me his soul. The angel went back to where Moses had been, looked for him, but did not find him. So he went to the sea and asked, Have you seen Moses? The sea answered, I have not seen him since the day that he caused the Israelites to pass through me. So the angel went to the hills and the mountains and asked him that them, excuse me, have you seen Moses? They responded, we have not seen him since the day Israel received the Torah. The angel went to Gehenna and said, have you seen Moses? I have heard of him, but I have never seen him. He went to the ministering angels and asked, have you seen Moses? They said to him, go look amongst the human beings the angel went to the Israelites and asked them, have you seen Moses? They answered him, God understood his ways and God hid him away for life in the world to come and not a living soul knows of him. As it is written, he buried him in the valley. When Moses died, Joshua began to cry out in mourning, my father, my father, my rabbi and teacher, my father who raised me, my rabbi who taught me Torah. Thus he mourned him for a long time until the Holy One, blessed be he, said to Joshua, Look how you are carrying on mourning. Do you think you are the only one who suffers the death of Moses? It is I who mourn his death, for I have been in great mourning since the day he died. As it is written in Isaiah, my Lord summoned on that day to weeping and lamenting. However, he was promised to have life in the hereafter, as it is said in Deuteronomy. You are soon to lie with your fathers and rise. So what do we learn here from this midrash that the rabbis believed of Moses's death?
1: What do you think has been added to the story? Yeah, Barry? Don't start talking yet, because I think Kenji has to unmute you. Okay. Um, well, a new feature here is that God is not in total control of this.
2: Uh, mm. it's, it's almost like the story with with Job. That uh-huh. uh, God, God has given the um, the the evil um, the angel of death um, the, the task. Uh-huh. And, and 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 in order for God to um, um, circumvent God's already command to the uh, angel of death, is God has to hide, um, mm.
1: and that's, that's the, the, the the burial is a hiding.
0: Yeah, very very interesting. So instead of him being hidden because for his own. Um, uh, because he was so, so prominent and so important, he was hidden for his own safety, or saying from the angel of death, so he could remain with God, which is very interesting. It's a very uh, it, interesting. Way.
2: It, it, it seems like a God God hid Moshe right, out, right, right for God, for God's sake.
0: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Other thoughts about this midrash? Oh, Kathy, yeah. So
2: it seems like the rabbis really are confused. They, um, more like Elijah, who disappeared, went up and, and is didn't actually die. You know, I don't know if they're so wishful thinking or it's um, just the fact that they are. They, there's no ending of mm-hmm. finding
0: mm-hmm.
2: Moshe, so it's a question
0: yeah great. I think it definitely shows an unknowing, and the rabbis, as you said, seem to be confused whether or not this is supposed to be some kind of comparison or what or whether it 's supposed to be the same kind of of um, tribute almost to these two characters that if we don't know where they are buried it's as if they then have then they have the same kind of powers in living amongst us forever right Elijah is brought into so many different circumstances those of you who were with me for Midrashai talked about how Elijah is brought in uh, to many different ceremonies to believe that we have that prophet with us all the time and maybe as you're saying Kathy this is an idea that we could uh, also have Moshe be in that s- in a similar kind of role in a similar kind of position with us, other thoughts or comments on this Midrash okay, I'm going to say something, and then maybe you'll have thoughts on what I say so. I believe, this was the first time I'd ever read this Midrash, but I believe similar to what Kathy just brought up for us, I believe that this is actually teaching us that we each need to be a little bit like Moshe. That if Moshe has not died in a way that we believe others have died, right? Abraham dies and is buried. Jacob dies and is buried. Rebecca dies and is buried, right? That there is an idea here that if Moshe dies, And might be buried, but we don't know where, we don't know why, we don't know how, that maybe as Judy brought up for us before I shared the Midrash, it is possible that there was no other person like him because each of us have to be Moshe in our worlds today. That Moshe actually was a character for which by the end of the Torah, and whether or not you believe that God wrote the Torah or Moshe wrote the Torah or people wrote the Torah, it is clear that by the end of the Torah, there is a new author, right? Because Moshe can't write after Moshe has died. So we know that for at least a few verses, we have a different author. And that different author, whether or not it's God or not, that that author Is writing that there is not going to be anybody like Moshe now that we know that Moshe, how Moshe's story has kind of unraveled in front of us. So I believe that what we are to take from this as Moshe's story, Moshe's story ends and Breishit begins, I believe that we are to understand ourselves as the continuous Moshe as the story begins. How do we lead our people? How do we combat that which we don't think is right? How do we sheepishly at times go up against things that we aren't sure about to then be pushed by others to move forward? Moshe is not a flawless leader. He's not. And yet, God mourns for Moshe more so than we understand God mourning for any other character in our Torah. And it's not because he was perfect, but it was because he had relationship with God and relationship with people. The last part of the Midrash is for the angel to find Moshe amongst the people. Starts at the sea, goes to the mountains, and then goes to the people because Moshe dwelled as a leader amongst the people. And so what I believe we're supposed to take from this and from this end of Moshe's life is that we are supposed to each be Moshe in our own ways and figure out year to year how we were Moshe and how we're going to be Moshe in the coming year. So as we begin Breshit on Simchat Torah, after we read Vezot HaBracha, Moshe doesn't die. Moshe doesn't cease to exist. Moshe just transfers into all of us. And then we forget that at some point. Probably around like the building of the Mishkan when we're, you know, f- there's glitter and colors and fabrics and all these things that are clouding our brains. We somehow forget. We forget in the middle there that we're supposed to be Moshe. And then the Torah reminds us at the end. No, no, no. The Torah is going to end now and it's going to begin again. And Moshe is not going to be in it for a while, but you need to be Moshe for your people. You need to be Moshe for your religion. You need to be Moshe throughout this story. So that's how I read this Midrash. I hope this was an insightful midrash. I hope no one had learned it before because uh, learning something like this for the first time is always unique. Uh, And then you can go back to it year after year and learn it again. I'm just going to read this last piece here, unless anybody has a final thought before we move on. Larry, I knew it. I knew if I said something, then Larry would also say something. For those of you who don't come to Minchamari, this is how Larry and I Work when I, I teach something and then Larry, Larry gets to make a statement. So I knew it was going to happen here too.
2: It, it's, it's an intriguing midrash. I gotta go, I've got to go back and read it. I didn't print this one out. Okay. But you've, you've, you've made me reread from different translations and in the Hebrew this last Pasuk. I think there's a battle going on. I think there's a battle going on between those who believed, wanted to write that Moshe was a demigod Mm. because it says that at least one of the ways of reading it is all these things that Moshe did, but was it Moshe or was it God that actually did these things? Yeah. And the other voice is a voice that's saying to us, no, Moshe was just a human being. And, in the end <clears throat> because no prophet will rise like moshe it's warning us don't this is not a unique interpretation so but it's warning us don't think that you have the power that moshe seemed to have yeah and i'm agreeing with you we as human beings as men and women it's it's our job to be like moshe but to be Moshe with some degree of humbleness that we don't have any godly powers. Yep. Anyways, thank you for, thank you for making us read something that too much, too few of us actually actually read and study because of, as you said, we read it on Simchat Torah, there's too much other stuff going on.
0: <laughs> well, thank thank you for acknowledging that. And it was my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad to be able to bring it. I want to, I want to end with this quote and then we're going to do Hoshanot because there's always, there's always more on Sukkot. Perhaps hiding away is mentioned with respect to Moses because he represents the Torah. Hence the only ones who could give the angel of death any answer regarding Moses's whereabouts were the Israelites because his teaching is not in the heavens. We conclude with a quote from Maimonides introduction to the Mishnah regarding the death of Moses. Moses' death was for our sake, insofar as we felt his absence and his life for him was that to which he ascended. Shabbat shalom. Chag Sameach. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts.